if you remember, we've been talking about Christ came the first time to die on the cross to pay for sin. He comes the second time to rule and reign in righteousness. He comes in between the first coming and the second coming in the clouds, takes the believers, the church-age believers, that's us, takes us off the face of the earth to be with him. And then we've spent time on looking at first coming. We spent a lot of time on tribulation, second coming. We looked at the kingdom. We looked at the great white throne judgment. We looked at the eternal state. But what we really didn't focus on was when we are raptured out, we'll stand before what's called the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded. And for the last few weeks, we looked at 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, Romans 14. We looked at all the places where we will be accountable and stand before our Savior Jesus Christ to be rewarded for the things that that we, have, that we have done in this body. Now, the bottom line is you want to be faithful. You want to live for Jesus Christ, and you want your life to count for him. And when you stand before him, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, and gives us rewards. We looked at four crowns. I just want to put them up there for you very quickly. We looked at four crowns, and a crown is reward. The word stephanos is the Greek word for crown, and it means a reward, something that you get like you run the race, and you get a reward. And we had a crown of joy, which was a crown in which we share our faith, lead people to Christ. It's called a crown of joy. Then we looked at <clears throat> the crown of righteousness, which is a person who lives righteously and keeps on living righteously. Second Corinthians, uh, Second Timothy 4, where Paul says, I fought the fight, I kept the faith, I've finished the course, I'm ready to be poured out, I'm ready, he will receive the, the crown of righteousness. So that, that's something that as you live righteously for God, there's rewards there. There was a third one we saw, which is called the crown of life in James chapter 1, verse 12, and it's basically trusting God in the trials of life. It has nothing to do with getting eternal life. This is the crown that you receive when you stand strong, when you trust God in the trials of life, because we all know that when a trial comes, you can either trust God or you can be mad. You can, you can turn away from God. You can be mad and angry. You can say, this is not right. I'm not going to deal with this. Or you can say, Lord, I just, I don't understand it, but I'm trusting you because you're working all things according to the counsel of your will. And then the fourth crown that we saw was called the crown of glory, First Peter 5, where it's really one for shepherding the flock. And a lot of times when people read First Peter 5, they say, well, that's the crown that like a pastor gets because it says shepherd the flock of God and do this. Well, all of us shepherd one another. All of us help use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God's given us to help equip each other to do ministry. So we can all get those crowns. And so I think the next slide says, basically, as believers share their faith, as we live righteously, as we trust God in trials, as we shepherd one another, there will be rewards. Now, here is the key to the whole thing. And we've seen it over and over again. And that is, the key word is faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, brethren, it is required of stewards to be found, some Bibles say trustworthy, the Greek word lily is the word for faithful, faithfulness. It is required of believers to be faithful. So what we want to do is take the gifts, talents, abilities, time, money, possessions, all of those things that God has entrusted to us, and to be a wise steward, to use that for the glory of God. So when we stand before him, he can say, well done, good job. So I wanted you to see, and we, we touched on this one last week, so I will not go over very much detail, but there's just t two or three things I want you to see of these parables. Turn, if you are, in Matthew 25. Look again at verse 14. We saw this last time, and, and it's, it's, a, it's Jesus giving a parable about what it's going to be like when we stand before Christ and, and when we stand before our Savior. And listen, every human being will be accountable to stand before Jesus Christ. Every knee will what? Bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and Romans says everyone, everyone will give uh, an account of themselves.
Look at it says, Jesus is making a a parable, and he says, you know, it's just like the man who went on his journey. This is verse 14 of Matthew 25. Just like a man uh, about to go on a journey, and so he called his slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Now let me ask you something. Who owns us? Jesus Christ. Who bought us? Jesus Christ redeemed us. He purchased us. We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. Therefore, what? Glorify God in our body. So he owns us. So in this picture, here's this, this master. He, he's about to go on a journey, and he calls in his slaves. Paul called himself over and over and over a bond slave of Jesus Christ. That's how he's known. When he was in prison, he didn't say, Paul, a prisoner of the Roman Empire. He said, Paul, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. So he considered himself a slave of Christ. This is how we consider ourselves. Because we were slaves to sin, now we're slaves to Jesus. We were dead in sin, now we're alive in Christ. We were in darkness, now we're in light. We were in in the family of Satan, now we're in the family of God. So we're totally different. And so he says, just like this man who was about to go on his journey, and he called his slaves in, his own slaves, and he entrusted his possessions to them. He's basically making them stewards. He's saying, I've got some stuff. I'm giving this to you. Use it wisely. Whose stuff is it? Whose is it? It's the master's. See, it's not theirs. Some people are mistaken. He didn't give this to them and say, now this is yours. He says, this is mine, but I want you to what? To use it. Every gift, every talent, every ability, every moment, every possession, every dollar, everything that we have is not really ours. When you say, that's my car, well, you sort no, it's not. Who gave you the car, really? How did you get it? How did, anything, everything we have. Paul writes over and says, what do you have that God didn't give you? What's the answer? Nothing. So we need to wake up every day and say, everything that I have is clothes, the car, the possessions, the time, Everything that we have is his. And he's saying, I'm giving it to you. I'm entrusting it to you. Now I want you to use it for my glory. So we need to all start thinking, hey, everything I have, everything that I do, ultimately goes back to my relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ. So he called him in and he gave, he gave one five talents to another two talents to another one talent. Each according to his own ability and he went on his journey. Now, some people don't like that because we, we have people in our country that think everybody ought to get exactly the same thing. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter anything. It doesn't matter what your gifts, talents, and abilities are. If somebody's really talented in something, well, you may make a lot of money doing that, but that's not really fair because this guy doesn't have those abilities, so you need to give your money and give to him. That's not what this says at all. It says, listen, everybody's got different gifts, talents, and abilities. And some of you are good at one thing and some of you are good at other things. And as bad as he says, I'm giving this guy five, I'm giving this guy two, and I'm giving this guy one. Based on their what? Abilities. We're not the same. God didn't make people the same. He made us unique and, and amazing, and every one of us is valuable, but we're not the same. Some people have strengths in one area, and some people have strengths in another area. That's just the way he did it. So he says, you got five, you got two, you got one. Immediately. Immediately. Verse 16, the one who had received the five talents went out and traded with them and gained five more. The same man of the one who had two talents gained two. But the one who received one talent went and dug a hole and put it in the ground because he was basically afraid. And we'll talk more about it in a second. But after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled accounts with them. Now, he has entrusted to every one of us five, four, three, two, one, a half, six, fifteen. He's, all of us are different. And he says, I've given you this long to live on this earth. I created you. You have trusted in me. You're my child. 
I've given you spiritual gifts. I'm giving you opportunities. I'm giving you time, possession. I'm giving you all of these things. I expect you to use them for my glory. See, our lives are for the glory of God, not for ourselves. Who, who do we honor? Who do we glorify? Who have we come together this morning to worship? Jesus Christ. We're not just here for a church service. We're not just here for the donuts and the coffee, although it's great. We are here to worship Jesus Christ. And we should say, listen, the only reason I even exist is that God has allowed me to live to serve him. So he comes back and says, okay, I'd like to see, I'd like to settle my accounts. So that means just in the way that these people stood before their master, we will store for Jesus. The one who received five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. I've gained five more. He's basically saying, I really used the things you gave me. His master said, what does verse 21 say? His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful in a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Can you imagine standing before Jesus Christ and he says, Wow, good job with what I gave you. In fact, because you were faithful in the little things that I gave you here and now, I've got some great things for you to do in the kingdom and in all eternity. Enter into the joy of the master. Is that, is that what we want? How, do you, how many of you are sort of scared to say, oh, I want that, but man, I mean, isn't that going to be scary to stand before him? What if he just looks at you and goes, where's your stuff? Right? Where's your stuff? You know? Well, look, the, the second one, also the one who received two talents, came up and said, Master, you entrusted me two talents. See, I've, I've gained two more. And he said, well done, good, and faithful. He didn't say, well, you, you know, I only gave you two, so you're not near as good as the other guy. He didn't say that at all, did he? He said, I gave him five, I gave you two, but guess what? You're both faithful. And I guess what? Um, you were faithful to a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of what? Many things. Enter into the joy of your master. There is going to come a time that we who have six, five, four, three, two, half, fourteen, twelve, whatever talents God has given to us, to each one of you, we will stand before him and give an account. It has nothing to do with salvation. We know that. Salvation is a gift. It costs us absolutely nothing. By grace we're saved through faith, and out of ourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Uh, it's not by works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy does he save us. So over and over, salvation is a gift. This is not dealing with salvation at all. It's rewards. The one who would received one talent came up and said, I know you're a hard man. Really? God's hard? Reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter. Well, you know what? Whose is it anyway? It's all his. I was afraid. I went away and hid your talent in the ground. You know what I did? I didn't use what you gave me. I did not use what you gave me. There are a lot of Christians who are gifted, talented, abilities, spiritual gifts, opportunities, time, possessions, money, and they don't use any of it for the Lord. And when they stand before their Savior, he's not going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. According to 1 John 2, they, they or we or whoever it is is going to be ashamed at his coming. Now, what does that mean to us? 
We've been looking at all this end-time stuff, and we've been all excited about it. And we're saying, yeah, you know, we can hardly wait, because what's the next event? The rapture. Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds. There's not one thing has to be done for Jesus to come in the clouds to get us. Not one thing. Any, it could happen at any second. In fact, it could happen right now, and Lord willing, there would not be a soul left here. Somebody would come in two or three days later. Why, why come all this stuff didn't get put up? <laughs> Because none of us were here to put it up. It's gone. We're gone. But what happens when we're gone? Where are we going to be? He said, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who sleep. Because first of all, the Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together. Thus we'll meet the Lord in the air. First Corinthians 15, it'll be in a moment, a twinkle of an eye will be changed. This old mortal body will put on immortality. Boom, we're, we're gone. But when we're gone, that's the end of the opportunity to what? Just get ready. Yeah, because listen, you, you're going to serve him for all eternity, but your service for him in all eternity is going to be based on your what? Your service now. And most people don't know that. Do you realize that most people have never been taught anything about rewards or accountability to stand before Christ? In fact, there's whole groups of Christians that teach the reward is salvation. You know, if you just live right, you get salvation. Salvation is not a reward. Salvation is a gift given by faith alone in Christ alone. The rewards come by your service. Now, here's what's so great about the service. Who gave you the gifts? He did. Who gave you the time? Who put you in the opportunities? Who works the whole thing out? So when you stand before Christ and get rewarded, it's because He did it all through you. He's so great, He uses you and then rewards you for using you. That's what kind of God is. All He needs is for you to say, Excuse me, I'm ready. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. Would you say that? See, for a long time, I wouldn't say that. Y'all know my story. I trusted Christ when I was 19, 26 years old, before I ever said, I will go anywhere. I will do anything, whatever you want me to do. That's pretty scary, isn't it? That's why he says, oh, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a what kind of sacrifice? A living sacrifice. People say, I would die for Jesus. He didn't want you to die for him. He want you to live for him. And there's some people that die for him. People in other parts of the world right now dying for Christ. He's saying, I want you to live for me. While the opportunity exists, live for me. Okay, I want you to turn to Luke 19. And this is pretty heavy stuff, right? Because it makes you stop and what? It makes you stop and think. What are you supposed to do with your life? What would happen if every Christian connected with this local body decided my life will count totally for Jesus Christ? Listen, if, if 12 men change the world, what could 350 of us do? Could we change this community? I mean, think about it that we go places and we actually share our faith and we tell people not just about our church because we talk about but we talk we talk to them about Jesus and about eternal life and the gift of eternal life and then we say listen now that you know Christ let's help you grow let's be trained and equipped let's get you in these classes let's get you in this Bible study let's get you in this service let's get you in Sunday school let's get you where you can start to understand the scripture so you can grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and then you can do the same thing you can help other people grow Luke 19, look at verse 15. Same thing. A noble went on this dis, you know, a distant country to receive the kingdom, and he called his slaves, and he called ten of them. 
He called ten of them and gave them ten. When he returned, verse 15, after receiving the kingdom, he ordered the slaves to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might make known what business they had done. The first appeared and said, Master, you gave me ten? I got ten more. Well done, good slave, because you have been what? Faithful in little things. The second one came in, and he said, Master, you gave me... You know, how many did the master give him? He gave him ten. This guy came up with five. What does that mean? He didn't use everything God gave him. Notice what he says. He said to him, Well done. Good. Is that what he says? He said to him also, Well done. Verse 19. He doesn't say that. What does he say? You're going to get to be over five cities. Your reward is based on your service. Now, what is the key to the whole thing? I think faithfulness is the key. I want you to see something. Just look at the screen for a second. Let's see how these men are described. There's a man named Epaprius. Just as you have learned it from Epaprius, your beloved fellow bondservant, he's writing to the Colossians, Epaprius had been teaching them, had been a faithful man. Watch what Paul says. Just as you've learned it from Epaprius, our beloved faithful bondservant, excuse me, our, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a what? Faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. What is this man called? Faithful servant. Now, if Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, calls you a faithful servant, guess what you are? You're a faithful servant. Let's look at another one. Here's Paul writing, and he's talking about a man named Tychicus. And to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother, and what? Faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord will bring you information. How are these two men described in the Scripture as faithful? He doesn't say they're smart, handsome, brilliant, anything. He doesn't say anything about their abilities. See, we look around at each other and we say, well, I can't do what he does, or I can't do what she does. I'm not smart like that, or I can't read that way, or I can't do this, or I can't... Listen, it has nothing to do with your abilities. Who gave you the abilities? God did. So it's not, it has nothing to do with your abilities. It has to do with your what? What? Your faithfulness. There are some people going to put us all to shame. Some people with so much less talent going to put us all to shame because they're going to be faithful. Look at the third one. He writes in Luke 16.10 and let me, let me flip back over there just to read you the verse. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous in much. You remember what we talked about that? And we saw that when we studied the life of David. And we said that David was faithful in the little things, taking care of the sheep. And God put him to be faithful as the king over all of Israel. And here's the key. You start with the small. In fact, God considers everything in this whole world small. Because what did he say in that other parable? You've been faithful in a little thing. I will make you faithful in much. So we can't look around and say, he gets to do something big, I get to do something little. No. 
It's all little. <laughs> Be faithful in the little things here. Which is, that's what it's all about. So the key, I think the next slide, I think it is. Is there another slide? Is there isn't another slide? Oh, the key, oh, you know, you got it. There it is right there. Now, there's one other thing I want you to see, because this is the question that awesome comes up. Go over to Matthew chapter 20. And if you have the handout, this is really not on the handout. I'm just adding this in for you. Matthew 20. And I want you to see this parable because I've taught it before. Most of us understand it. But you may talk to some people who don't understand this one. And I want you to be ready to give an answer. Most of you know the parable. Matthew 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven, in other words, he's saying this is what it's going to be like in the kingdom. Kingdom of heaven is like this landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for the vineyard. Guy goes out and he looks for people to work in his vineyard. What does he do? When he agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them in the vineyard. Now, what did most people get paid for a day's job? A denarius. He said, hey, I'll pay you a day's wage. And they went, that's fine with us. That's, that's, that's what we're supposed to get, right? You know? So they go work. He went out about the third hour. That's 9 o'clock in the morning. So he went out real early, about 6. About 6 o'clock, he sees some men hanging around. and said, hey, you guys want to go help me in my vineyard? Yeah. How much are you going to pay us? Well, I'll pay you about a day's wage. Is that okay? Well, I, yeah, that's expected. He goes back at 9 o'clock in the morning, and he saw some standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to those, hey, you also go into the vineyard, and what? What is he going to offer them? Whatever is what? Whatever is right, I will give you. He didn't say, I'll pay you a day's wage. He said, I'm going to give you what's right. Because, see, it's not a day's wage. Why? Three hours have already passed on the day's wage. So they say, yeah, I mean, the guy, okay, we have to trust him, right? He's going to pay us what's right. He went out about the sixth hour, that's 12 o'clock. He went out about the ninth hour, that's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and he did the same thing. He saw guys out there, and he said, you want to come work? Yeah, I'll pay you what's right, go work. About the 11th hour, what time is it? It's 5 o'clock. What time do they quit? 6 o'clock, Okay. They got one hour left, notice. At about the 11th hour, he went out and he found some others standing around. He said, why have you been standing idle all day long? And they said, because nobody hired us. He said, you go into the vineyard too. When the evening came, 6 o'clock, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and let's pay them their wages. By the way, they got paid every day. I mean, when the banks, one of the things that we have today, a guy went out and worked, he got paid. On the way home, he usually stopped and bought food for his family. They didn't have a refrigerator. They didn't store stuff up. There's all the leftovers. Not the leftovers. You ate, give us this day our daily bread, see? So he, they, they got to get paid so they can go home and get their food for their family. So he said, call the laborers and let's pay their wages, beginning with the last group first. Who's the last group? The guys that worked how long? One hour. When, when those hired came about, about the 11th hour came, each one received a what? They received a full day's wage. Now, let me tell you something. That's pretty unusual, isn't it? You get in and you go, good night. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm going to go stand over here. Okay? Now, the guy who was hired at 6 o'clock in the morning, what did he agree on? Day's wage. He says, what is it? He paid them a day's wage. Well, what does that mean for us? When we get up there, because the line's moving slowly, when we get up there, what are we going to get? If he'll pay the guy that worked an hour a day's wage, and I worked the whole day, he, he, he may even give me two days' wages. Who knows what he's going to give me, right? 
When those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each one of them received a denarius. Why? That's what they said, right? At the start, he made an agreement with them. I'll, I'll pay you a day's wage. They said, that's fine. He didn't tell the other people what he's going to pay them at all, right? Okay. When they received it, they began, they grumbled, saying, these men have worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us. You've borne the burden, uh, burden and scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said, look, friend, I'm not doing you wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what's yours and go, but I wish to give the last man the same as you. It's not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own. Or is your eye envious because I'm generous, so the last will be first and the first will be last? Now, what's this point of this parable? Here's the key. The point of the parable is not how long you serve God that will determine your reward. It's what? Your what? Faithfulness. What if, and we talked about it last week, there's two people. One guy trusts Christ when he is 12, another guy trusts Christ when he's 12. The guy who trusts Christ when he's 12, he's all excited and he, and, he, and he gets in his youth group and he's just rolling and he goes to college and he does so good and, and, and he's killed in a car wreck at age 23. The other guy was age 12, trusted Christ. He got fired up. He was in his youth group. He went to college. He got a job. He became a successful businessman. He, did. he gave money away. He taught Sunday school Bible. He went all the way. At 84 years old, he died. You could say, that's not fair because, see, this guy only had from 12 to 24. He had 12 years to serve God. This guy went from 12 to 84 I mean, like 72 years, he had so many more opportunities to get rewards, right? Because you could say it's not really fair. The longer you live and the longer you get to serve God, won't you have more rewards? That's what it seems like. But God says, no, 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 I, I don't go on the curve thing like this. I, I, I go on the faithfulness. If I have you on this earth for 12 years and you serve me faithfully for 12 years, you will be rewarded as the same as the person who served me for 70 years. Because see, it's not based on what? Talents, abilities, time, any of that. What's it based on? Faithfulness. And so when you, when you think about your life, and you say, I want my life to count for Christ, and there's no telling how he's going to use you, I had a friend that was a campus crusade for Christ. He was 12 years in Slovenia. And in the 12-year time period, he knows for sure two people trusted Christ. For sure. He didn't know how many others did, but he knows for sure two. You could say, that's kind of pretty much a waste of 12 years for me. I mean, you got two people, that's not even good night. That's, that's nothing. Was he faithful? That's right. We don't know, see? So, so if we said he did this and he only had this, was he faithful for those 12 years? What's the answer? Yes. What about the guy who goes around and says he's an evangelist and every night he's, he's doing these crusades and, and every night they say like 50 people trust him, 100 people trust him. And so in one week he's got 350 people, but my friend in 12 years has two. He's going to get a lot more rewards, this guy, right? No, we don't even know if he's... We don't even know if he's faithful. We don't. Because we don't know the what? We don't know the motives. See, judgment, God's judgment is going to be based off the motive. 
And so he gives every one of us gifts, talents, ability, time, possessions, money. He gives it all. And he says, I'm putting you on this earth. I've raised you up. We talked about this when we talked about the building. And we said, we've been raised up for what? Such a time as this. Why does God have us here? Why does he have us this church? Why does he have you alive at this time of, 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 of all of history when you could have lived at any time? He's put you here now with your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your time, your possessions, your money, all of that. He says, I've put you here. Be faithful. You could say, well, how long do I have? I'm not going to tell you. I just want you to be faithful. I just want you to be faithful. Yeah, but, but I'm not smart. I'm not looking at smart. But I'm not fast. I'm, I'm not looking at fast. I, I'm not a good reader. I, I'm not looking for good readers. I don't have that much money. I'm not looking for that much money. I'm just looking for somebody who's what? Faithful. That's the key. Take the gifts, talents, abilities that God's given to us. Use them for His glory. Living our lives to do His will as faithful servants of Christ. We want to hear Him say, Well done. Good and faithful. So we've seen that the rapture will be taken off the earth. We'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded. We'll be rewarded for our works. He knows our motives. The key is faithfulness. We talked about the rewards, all of those things. So let's look at our application. Okay. Understand the basis for rewards. What is it? Huh? Faithfulness. So none of us have an excuse. You can't say, I, I'm no, I wasn't really, that wasn't sharp as those people. Right? He, God says, I, don't, I, didn't, I made you. This was like Moses when Moses said, you know, I'm not a very good talker. He said, who made the mouth? Who made your mouth? By the way, you know, we will see it in Acts that Moses was mighty in word and deed. But when he stood before God, what did he say? I can't talk. God said, I made your mouth. You can talk. You just don't want to talk. See, right? We say things like, I don't think I can do that. You can do that. You just don't want to do that. Well, I'm afraid to do it. I know. I'm your strength. I'm your strength. How many of us are afraid to serve God? And you're afraid. You, I, I can't go into a fallen world and touch lives for Christ. You cannot. But in his power, you can do all things, right? And apart from him, you can do absolutely nothing. So if you said, I don't think I can do it, that's exactly right. You say, Lord, you do it through me. My life, I'll just be, I'm just saying, take me, use me. Watch what he will do. We're going to make this statement on Sunday morning. We're going to see that the first 40 years of Moses' life, he thought he was somebody. In the next 40 years of Moses' life, he thought he was nobody. And the last 40 years of, nobody's, uh, of Moses' life, he saw what God could do with a nobody. Every one of us in this room, we could say, we nobodies. You're nobody till God uses you. Then he's the somebody through you. So, powerful. Uh, second one. Understand the key for rewards is faithful service. Just wherever you are. And the third one, seek to live for Christ, being faithful to use our gifts, our talents, and our abilities for his glory. Now, in the next lesson, which we handed out today and we're not going to get to, but in this next lesson, we're going to talk about what are we to do right now as we wait? Because he could come at any second. 
But what are we supposed to be faithfully doing? What are some things? Peter actually writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, he says, As you wait, here's what your emphasis should be. And we'll look at that next time. And then when we get through with that lesson, that's lesson 9, we got one more lesson, lesson 10. And that's our final charge. Well, we see as we stand here saying, Okay, Lord, come Lord Jesus. What's he want us to do? So the next two lessons will tie into that. Heavenly Father, what a great morning. Thank you for this body of believers. Lord, I, I, the faithfulness of these people is amazing. Now, Lord, we know you, you, you know. You know what our real faithfulness is. But outwardly, so many people in this body are doing so many things for your glory. Thank you for putting us together. Lord, may we stand for you. May we be faithful men and women. May, regardless of the time, the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the money, the possessions, anything that you've given us, and regardless of how long you've put us on this earth, may we just be faithful so that when we stand before you, you will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, use us for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.